going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 23. I, I, I don't like to butter people up. Uh, I, I don't want to butter you up. Um, but at the same time, uh, I really do what I'm about to preach about. Um, I really think that we definitely have some of this here. And we definitely have the makings of it here. And But one thing when it comes to a church, and if that church is going to do something... A lot of times, a lot of credit, if it goes good or recognition, a lot of times it goes to the pastor. And obviously, you know, the pastor plays a role in it. But you know what? Uh, and I'm not trying to talk myself down and look humble or anything. But at the same time, I'm guessing right now probably the secret's out that uh, I'm not the most amazing, gifted individual in all the world. Um, you know, I, I try my best and, and you all are patient with me and I appreciate that. But um, what determines a church and, and any, any great leadership, it's not usually about the person in the leadership. It's usually the people that they had following him. And when we look in the Bible at David, King David, probably the greatest king of Israel there ever was. David, definitely an amazing individual, did great things for God. David, uh, we talked about him a few weeks ago on Wednesday. One of the reasons he did such great things for God was because of his heart that he had. He had a heart for God like no one else. He was a man after God's own heart. God looked at David and said, he is like me. I mean, you talk about a compliment right there. For God to say that he's a man after his own heart, what an amazing thing that is. But you know, David, we see that he, had, he made some pretty big mistakes. And we don't have time to go through all the life of David and look at all the people that are mentioned in the life of David. But one thing we know about him, David had some amazing, incredible people that served with him. You remember the story in the Bible when Saul got jealous because he heard the women singing, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that David necessarily himself killed 10,000 people. However, when he would lead a battle and maybe thousands would be killed, he would get the credit for it. But we see that uh, we're going to see here in Second Samuel 23, David had some incredible, incredible people that were in his army that did some amazing things. And there's some great lessons that we can learn from these men. We call them David's mighty men. And there was about, I believe there was 40 of them that the Bible mentions. Uriah the Hittite was actually one of those mighty men that David sinned against. Remember, David had some problems. But David had some incredible people under him. And we're just going to look at three. The three, uh, the first ones that are mentioned because these they were the most notable of the mighty men, did some incredible things for God. But we're going to read verses 8-12 through 12, and then we're going to read another portion later and kind of get into another part of this message. But it says, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. This guy, he's the captain. He's kind of the head honcho of David's mighty men. At one time, killed 800 men with a spear. Now, that's an impressive individual right there. I mean, you talk about a warrior. I can't imagine watching this guy fight. I, I tell you what, I would not want to get on this guy's bad side. 800, the Bible says, he killed at one time. His name was Adino the Esnite. Adino 
You know what the meaning of that name is? It's spear. It means a spear. I'm wondering if maybe that was just his nickname. And also the Esnite. He was an Esnite. The Esnite, there's the spear is in that meeting. So I don't know if this was a group of people that were just really good with the spear. But this guy knew how to use a spear. I don't know what the spear looked like or what the size of it was. But this guy knew how to use that spear. And he slew 800 people at one time in one battle. And you know what? One of the things that we need in churches today, not people going around killing everybody or people that are good with the spear. But you know what we need in churches today? What every church needs, what every pastor wants to have is people who will take their talent and use it for the Lord. This guy, his thing was a spear. That's what he was good at. I don't know. But when I picture a guy that can kill 800 people with a spear, I don't picture a real intelligent looking person. Uh, I, I, I picture a pretty rough, scary looking dude that... Probably wouldn't be good for much else but fighting in a battle. Somebody that people, that's going to intimidate people and scare people. But this guy, boy, he knew how to use a spear and that's exactly what he did. And he did great things with that spear. And we need to use our talents and our gifts for God. Psalms 33 verse 3 says, Sing unto Him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. It says, play skillfully. Do your best. Whatever your talent is, God wants us to take it and use it for Him. You say, well, I'm not that skilled. But you know what? Do your best. I mean, do your best. Take it serious. Whatever you have, I mean, really just give it all you have for God. I mean, we are, our attitude when it comes to serving God is just whatever work we're doing, just do the best that we can possibly do. The Bible says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily with your whole heart as to the Lord and not unto men. I mean, just give it your all. Whether it's playing an instrument, whether it's singing a song, whether it's just whether it's cleaning up, whether it's just being friendly, whatever it is, give it all you got. No matter whether it's just being a prayer warrior. Boy, do we need prayer warriors in the church? People that pray for the church, people that pray for the pastor, people that pray for each other, people that pray for those lost souls and for the community. We need that. In a church like you can't even imagine. People who will know how to get a hold of God and can pray down the Holy Spirit into a service. We, boy, we need that. Whatever you do, you just give it your best. And I know we all like to talk about our limitations, but yet we see throughout the Bible where God took people that maybe weren't that skilled in a certain area and used them in a great way. But one thing you'll always find is one of these people, they gave it their best. And, I don't know about this. Now, I'm not trying to take away anything from Adino the Esnite here. I have no doubt that guy was pretty good with the spear. That he knew what he was doing. I mean, his nickname was Spear. So he was noted for his use of a spear. He killed 800 at one time. But you know what? We see other stories in the Bible where people, one, did amazing physical things. For example, David killed a lion and a bear, not with a sling, but with his bare hands. He killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. I have no doubt that David was very good with a sling and a spear, but I can't even imagine how fast you would have to throw that rock to get it to sink into the head. It didn't bounce off his head. It sunk into his head. I can't imagine how fast you'd have to throw that rock. I think about Samson who killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And one of the, I mean, amazing thing, I'm not taking away from Samson's abilities, I'm not taking anything away from these people, but one thing we see in the stories with Samson, with David, is that the power of the Lord came mightily upon them. 
Many times when they did these things, it wasn't just them at work here. God was miraculously doing something through them. And that could have been the case with the Dino the Esnite when he killed 800. I can't even imagine that. I don't know if it was just 800 people all came at him at once or if there's a bunch of them in a battle and he's just going around and just taking people down everywhere he goes and the other ones were just keeping the soldiers distracted. I, I, I don't know how it all worked. But I, I do believe that the power of God was on this man. And you know what? That's what we ought to be searching for. We could preach a whole message just on that. We need the power of God on our life. Listen, I know I like I said I'm I'm not the you know sharpest tool in the toolbox and things like that, or the sharp, sharpest knife in the drawer. But you know what? That's really not what it's all about. It's about the power of God. And I could have that on my life. You could have that on your life. The power of God that can help you to do things that are beyond your capabilities. And boy, you get people in the house of God involved in the church that are just seeking not to do some great thing of their own, but just to give their best for God and then for God's power to come mightily on them. Well, I'm telling you right now, there's gonna, it, it'll be an exci- it's an exciting thing to watch. And, you, and I'm telling you right now, don't go, doubt, don't go doubting. Don't doubt. You say, I'm doubting myself. No, you're doubting God. Okay? If you don't think God can use you... You're doubting God. When Moses, when God called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses kept talking about himself and the Lord is getting upset with them. So didn't I say that I would be with you? The Lord took it personal. Moses was trying to talk about himself, but he wasn't doubting himself. He was doubting God. And when you don't think God can use you in a great way, you're doubting Him. And we need some Adino the Esnites, people who will just take whatever gifts that God has given them and use them to the best of their ability in a great way. And then also, we've got this second one that's mentioned here in verse 9. And after him was Eliezer the son of Dodo the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men which David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. So we've got Eliezer, the, the son of Dodo. You wonder why this guy was tough. If your dad's name was Dodo, uh, you'd probably be getting in a lot of fights when you were growing up too. And so this, this was a tough guy. He, and so people, they, they look past his dad's name being Dodo just because they didn't, they didn't want to mess with this guy. He, he was tough stuff. And we see here in this battle, he's fighting. The Bible says his hand was weary. And his hand claimed the sword. What many people believe is that his hand literally just got stuck to it. That he... He couldn't stop. He he wasn't even he wasn't able to let go, and he he just kept fighting. I mean, just he didn't quit until that battle was over. And an amazing amazing individual here. And I'm telling you right now, what we need in church today, we need people who will just never give up, never quit. I wish I could stand up here today and promise you life as a Christian, it's always going to be easy. You're never going to go through any difficulties, but I would be lying through my teeth to you. There's going to be some battles. There's going to be, there's going to be difficulties. And it's, it gets tough sometimes. When, it, when you serve the Lord, there's going to be heartbreaks. In the church, there's going to be disappointments. There's going to be good seasons. There's going to be bad seasons. You never know what's going, what's going to happen, but one thing that we've got to do and we've got to have people to just say, you know what, I'm not giving up. I'm not going to quit. 
I'm going to keep on going until I'm dead. Galatians 6, 9, I believe we talked about this. I uh, talked about this verse not too long ago. It says, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We'll reap if we faint not. If we stay faithful, we will reap. L.A.'s boy, he was tired. He wanted to quit. I've, I've gotten tired from doing things before. I've never gotten so tired holding on to something that my, my hand got stuck. Okay, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what that must have took, how long he must have had to fight. I guarantee you it was difficult. I guarantee you he wanted to quit many times, but he just didn't. He just kept on going and a great victory was won that day. And I'm here today to tell you all that if, if you, you know, don't give up on this. Don't, don't give up on this church. Don't give up on God. I believe God's going to do some great things here. But we've got to have some Eliezer's who when things get tough say, you know, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm, just, I'm going to keep on going. That get committed. That decide, hey, this is it. This is my place. This is where God wants me. This is where God has placed me. We, I tell you, we need pastors like that. Pastors these days, I mean, they don't stay in one place very long. You know, and I've heard some of the averages in Baptist churches is around two years. And so, hey, I've got that beat. I'm above average. You know, we're, we're about two and a half years. But you know what? I'm not looking to be just above average. I want to do something for God. I want to do great things for God. And it's going to mean some fighting. It's going to mean some battles. It's going to mean some getting weary. And Eliezer, he didn't give up. We just got to say, not going to quit. Well, what if what if this happens? What if we have you know a big setback? You know, what if we have a church split? Then we're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep on fighting. Oh, well, you know, what if people keep rejecting? What if you know that this doesn't work? Hey, there's a lot of what ifs. But one thing we can't. Decide and determine what everybody else is going to do, but we can decide and determine in our hearts that we're not going to quit. That we're going to keep on going. We're going to keep on moving forward, doing the best we can. We need people who will stay faithful when no one else does. I don't know if you notice this in this passage here, but I'm telling you, so you know, you all here. I mean, I, I, I'm so I don't want to butter you up, but boy, I thank God for your faithfulness. I believe God's going to reward that. But you know what? I'm going to warn you here because something I believe is going to... Well, something you're going to see happen. The Eliezer saw. Here it says that here he is, that he's fighting. It says he arose. Uh, well, 3 verse 9 says, And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the old hype, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, the men of Israel were gone away. Eliezer's by himself. But you know what? He just keeps on fighting. It says, And he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave to the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory. But then notice this. And the people returned after him only to spoil. Notice Eliezer, boy, you know, he sees those Philistines and the children of Israel are like, forget this. I'm not going against them. The Bible doesn't say how many there were or how many Eliezer slew. But Eliezer says, you know what? I'm fighting this battle. I don't run. I don't retreat. And he goes and he fights and single-handedly wins the battle, single-handedly does all the work. And you know, I'm going to guess after the last man was dead, he probably didn't feel like going and running into the tents and stealing all the, you know, taking all the valuables and goodies and things. But you know what? The rest of the people did. All of a sudden, the rest of them, hey, they're all dead. And they went and they spoiled the Philistines. They went and took everything. You know what? They, did? they all benefited from all the work that Eliezer did while they were a bunch of cowards. And you know what, happen, what happens sometimes in church? You're going to see this. We'll probably see it here. But 
You've got people, they do, they stay faithful. They're there through the good times. They're there through the bad times. They stick to it. And then the Lord blesses. We have a great victory and God just seems to pour out His blessing in the church. And then all of a sudden, all these other people come along and they just, when things get easier, when we have all the big programs and all the fun stuff's going on, you're going to see all these masses come and enjoy the spoils of the victories that maybe you were a part of. But look, you know, don't give yourself the credit too quick. Notice it says, and the Lord wrought a great victory. We need to remember when you're fighting, you're going to see that. You're going to be there. You're going to be faithful during the hard times. And you're going to see the fair weather people that come and they benefit from what you've done, from your faithfulness, from your hard work. But you know what? We need to remember our work is for the Lord. And the work that we do, it is the Lord's work. And you know what? Don't let that stop you. Don't let that cause you to quit. I've seen that before where you'll have people, they are, they're, they're faithful. They were there during those difficult times. They stayed faithful. And then all of a sudden, all the others come to enjoy the spoils. And they get disgruntled. They get discouraged. And then they quit. And the sad thing when that happens, those people that come when everything's going great, once things get difficult again, they usually keep on going. And boy, we need people that are just going to stay and be faithful and don't let that crowd get you down. Let me tell you, there's a bunch of fair weather people all over this community that wherever things are happening at, wherever things are good, that's where they're at. And as soon as it gets difficult, they take off. But you know what? We need Eliezer's. We need Eliezer's that say, you know what? I'm going to stay faithful. I'm not going to get discouraged when those who are not faithful benefit from my victories. Don't do that. We need people who have the power of God on their life that God can work through. Like Adino the Esnite, like Eliezer, says the Lord wrought a great, great victory. Don't go get to thinking it was you that brought, that brought the victory. God may have used your faithfulness, but it was ultimately God that did the work. We've got many people, they start to get a big head when God starts blessing and thinking that they're really something. Uh, sometimes the pastor, boy, you know, they start, church starts growing, get a big crowd, he gets a big head. Starts thinking, wow, look, look what I accomplished. Boy, don't ever forget who it is that's actually doing the work. So well, I was tired. I was weary. Well, Eliezer too. I mean, it looks like Eliezer did the work here. But it says the Lord wrought a great victory. It's God that does the work. So don't forget that. And then also we have Shammah the son of Agi, verse 11. It says, And after him was Shammah the son of Agi, the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where, where was a, gr- a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. Once again, everybody else takes off running. Boy, I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to see that. Things get difficult, and there's going to be a lot of people just take off running. But it says, But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. A, ground, a piece of ground full of lentils. Some peas, green beans, I'm not sure exactly what it was. Just piece of ground full of lentils, some vegetables. That's not a big deal. Everybody else is running. Why do we need to fight over lentils? It's not a big deal. But let me tell you something. We need people here in this church. And it can't be just a pastor. But I mean, I tell you, I, I pledge to stay faithful to the Word of God and stand strong in the doctrines of God. I'm not planning on changing anything. But I'm here today to tell you that I've seen greater men than me bend when the masses started pushing them to change things. And we need people who will stand strong on the doctrines and teachings of the Bible. 
There's going to be some fair weather people that are going to come in here and they're going to see, hey, this is where things are happening. This is where things are good. Uh, I'd like to be a part of this. But you know what? I don't necessarily like some of the things in this church. I don't necessarily care for the Bible that they use. I don't necessarily care for the music in this church. And they're going to, they're going to put pressure on me. And boy, you know, it's going to be tempting. You know, some of them might come. They might have all kinds of money. And I, I, I'm not saying I'm going to let money influence me. But you know what? I'm human. I can be tempted. Alright? I'm just being honest. And boy, I we need people in the church that will stay strong and say, you know, hey, we're, we're not changing what this Bible says. Because you know what these people do? They don't usually go to the pastor first about it. They start talking to people in the church about it. Hey, you know, I know the pastor always likes that King James Bible, but you know what? I think we need to get that gender neutral Bible. You know, we want to make sure the ladies get included in more of the verses. <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, one of those goofy ones like that. I mean, who knows? And you know what? If you're like, yeah, you're right. Well, that's going to just embolden them to go to the next person and then say, you know what? I think I got enough votes in this church. We can get rid of this pastor and get somebody else. But boy, if they're talking to people in the church and they're like, are you kidding me? Why would we get rid of the truth to bring in a counterfeit? Why would we do that? They want to start bringing in the rock music and they're getting shut down. By God's people? So, no, we're not bending on that. I'm telling you right now, they're either going to go along and get right or they're going to move along. And that's not always a bad thing. We're not trying to get rid of people here, but we're not going to change the doctrines of God. And he's like, well, it's not a big deal. But you know what? These things... They're not up to us. They belong to God. That patch of ground there full of lentils, that belonged to the God of Israel. That belonged to Israel. It didn't belong to the Philistines. And Shammah said, these people aren't going to get it. They're not getting that. And he stood there and he fought all alone. And we need some Shammahs in this church. People that say that stand strong, that stand firm on these things. When, when doctrine changes, there's always a chain reaction. I'm telling you right now, one of the things that I see in churches all the time, one of the first things that usually sends a church down a wrong path, they change the music. Once the music changes, I don't, I don't know why this is. I don't know why a church can't go crazy in the music and still use a King James Bible. I don't know. You know, It seems like it shouldn't be a problem. But I'm telling you, once the music goes, as soon as the music goes, the Bible goes. They, they change the Bible. I don't know why. And then there, and there's all kind, there's several different doctrines and different teachings and things and the standards and convictions. They go down the window. It's almost an order. It's a chain reaction. And just somewhere along the lines, they just said, no, this isn't a big deal. You know, who cares? And then all kinds of problems happen. And we need people that are going to stay strong and say, that's not going to happen. We need people that are not influenced by the masses. Exodus 23.2 says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Well, everybody else is doing it. So what? It didn't work for you when you told your parents that. And you know what? It shouldn't work in the church either. Who cares what everybody else is doing? Who cares what the world says? The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in there. I was talking about it in Sunday school. Whenever the world and the news media and the politicians all start singing in unison, I get real nervous. I just I get real nervous. Because the masses usually get it wrong. And it's the same thing when it comes to church, when it comes to the Word of God. The masses aren't getting—they're not getting it right. And we're not trying to just go off and be different so we can say that we're in that narrow and being weird. No, we're—we're we're trying to follow the Bible. God gave us His Word. It's 
We can figure it out if we read it and if we put our hearts to it. But I'm telling you right now, most people aren't following it. And we cannot be influenced by that. And we need some shamas if that's going to happen. If, so, if, those kind of great, if we're going to see great things in this church. But I want you to notice in verse 13, we read a story about three of these guys together with David and something that they do that I, I think is really pretty amazing that we can learn from. It says in verse 13, And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time into the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in and hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. I don't know what's going on here, but I think David, he's probably a little down. He's depressed. He's, he's hiding in a cave of Adullam. I actually got to see this cave when I was in Israel. And they're not far from Bethlehem. And he's, boy, he's thinking about Bethlehem, where he was from. And he's thinking, you know, I just, I'd love to have a drink of water from that well in Bethlehem. That was the water he grew up drinking. It just probably tasted better. You've all probably experienced things like that. Maybe your know, mom's cooking or something that you drink or something just maybe it's just it brings back good memories. And for him it was this water that was in Bethlehem. He wants this glass of water just water, but there's a garrison of Philistines there. He knows I can't have that. We can't we can't get that water. But these three men, they, they hear what their king wants. And it says in David um, in verse 15, or 16, And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. They went and was like, Hey, who cares if there's an army there? We can take them. Our king wants a drink of water. Okay? Now, I mean, these are some pretty, pretty loyal guys here. King wants to drink of water. Let's go fight an army to get him a drink of water. I'm sure there, there's water by the cave there of Adullam. He could have got some water from there, but he wanted water from Bethlehem. And said, so we're going to get water from Bethlehem. And so they go and they do it. But then it says, but nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. Now, if I'm one of these three mighty men, I'm thinking, I just killed like a hundred people to get him that drink of water. And he just dumped it out on the ground. We don't see these guys complaining in the story. You would think David would be like, Man, guys, thank you and would drink it. But the Bible says that David poured it out to the Lord. What I, what I believe was going on here, says David, he was, he was an amazing king, had a heart for God like you wouldn't believe. David was a great leader. One of the reasons David's greatness, he had great people that followed him and that, that served under him. And I believe what happened here, I believe that these guys almost crossed the line here. I mean, I think you're almost, this is almost borderline worship here what they're doing for David and David said you know what I can't accept that and he said what these guys did the way these guys risked their life this this is going to the Lord and he pours it out and that was his way of giving it to God of him passing that on to God and you know the state of every church it doesn't just depend on the pastor or what he does, but every great leader, every great pastor that I've ever known, they had people that they followed him. 
And that sometimes the, the pastor, you have a vision, say, you know, this would be, if our church could do this, this would be a great thing. And he doesn't have the ability to do it. He can't do it. But boy, the people in the church, they get behind him and say, you know what? Let's make that happen. I think we can do that. And these men in this case, they thought they were serving David. Sometimes people won't do these things because they're so focused on the, on the pastor and they know the pastor doesn't deserve it. But the truth is, these men, when they were serving David, they weren't serving David. They were serving God. They were serving the God of Israel. And you know what? David didn't accept that worship. And you know what? No, pa- I tell you, there's some pastors I think they've crossed the line and they've let some people almost worship them. And I'm telling you right now, God does not share His worship with anybody. And you, any man who will accept it from people, God always takes them down every time. God does not share it one bit. But the, I believe this zeal that these people had, what they were willing to do is the kind of thing we need in church. The people, just, with people in the church that say, you know what? Hey, let's do this. Let's get that done. Hey, we, this is something we could do. So maybe maybe you think it's for me, but it's not. Hey, this is something we can do for the Lord. And I'm telling you right now that, and there's so many other people we could talk about. They mentioned several here. Joab, I think, was an amazing individual that David had. I mean, just so so many people in my dad's church. He'd be the first one to tell you. He'll he'll talk about people that are there in his church that just stayed faithful during the difficult times that helped him during some of the difficult times. The church would not be where it is today were it not for certain people in the church. And I believe the same thing applies here. And what I, the reason I preach this today is I want you to understand just your importance in the house of God. And what you mean and what you can bring to the table. I'm telling you right now, it's not all about me. And it's, it's not all about you. But what it is all about is people like you and me who understand that it is all about the Lord. And we're willing to just do whatever we can. Hey, listen, sometimes I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't have a good plan or I'm not real sure what to do except to just be faithful. I don't know, man. I, I don't really know what to do. I know I'm supposed to keep reading my Bible. I know I'm supposed to keep preaching the Gospel. I know I'm supposed to keep winning souls. Now, I don't know what the next big thing we got to do is to get the masses in here, but I do know we're supposed to go invite people. We're supposed to spread the gospel. Well, who who needs it? Who's ready to listen? I don't know. So I just go I just go knock on random doors. Sometimes just pass out a track to a random person. Leave it leave a track with a generous tip. If it's a Liberty Baptist Church track, leave a generous tip in there to the waitress. Maybe it'll make her come to church. I just talked to a guy at work this week uh, that he came. He's like. He's like, are you involved in a Baptist church in town? I was like, yeah. And he's like, he's like, I was looking on our refrigerator, and we have one of your flyers on the refrigerator. And he's like, I saw. He's like, I saw your name on. It. I was like, hey, I know that guy. And and uh, I don't know who gave it to him. I don't know where he got it, but he's talking about coming and visiting the church sometime. And we, you know, we just got to keep on being faithful, keep on doing what we're supposed to do, keep on, you know, giving those tithes and offerings, and we need to keep on, you know, doing the projects we want to do around here, and take care of, uh, you know, this great building that God has given us, and just, uh, I mean, to be a good witness and to be a testimony, to follow the commandments of God, to set an example, to be a light in this world. We just got to keep on doing it, just keep on being faithful. Things don't always happen overnight. It's never easy. You know, we read these stories 
The story of Shama, his hand clave to the sword. We read it in ten seconds. I don't know how long that battle took, I, I, but I guarantee for him it probably seemed like forever. We read it in a couple seconds. And it's going to get tough. It's going to get discouraging. It might seem like forever, but you just don't quit. We don't quit. We need mighty men and women of God here at Liberty Baptist Church. And people who love God and are wanting to serve Him. People who are willing to make a big deal about the little things. Do something big for God. Hey, this is something, this is something the Lord wants us to do. Let's do it. Hey, this is something the pastor, you know, the Lord's given the pastor vision in this area. Hey, let's see if we can make that happen. Let's think of ways that we can contribute. What what can we add to it? Understand, this is you know, don't please, you know, don't don't put it all on me. Okay, I'm extremely limited. All right, I'm not that I'm not that great. Okay? I need I need all of you too. And the Lord, so the Lord doesn't need any of us. No, but the Lord wants to use us. The Lord, He wants to work through us. And let's be that willing vessel. So let's stand together.